Hello everyone, and welcome to You Scared of This, a weekly podcast in which two grown men watch every episode of Nickelodeon's classic TV horror anthology show from the year... 2013! Wait, what? Hold on, this can't what? be right. Let me what let me if, blow what are let we me doing? blow the dust off of this off of this DVD bootleg that we have here. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's so much dust on this. Need some foley work to make it sound like I'm dusting it off. Dagus, what the fuck is this DVD that says bootleg copy of Dead Time Stories? Oh, I'm glad you asked, Eli. Party people in the place to be. This is going to be our last bonus episode. With good reason. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let's get one thing straight here. Our original plan for this final bonus episode was going to be to review the Are You Afraid of the Dark fan film, The Tale of the Ghostly Guest, a fan-made episode that was released last year. To a lot of fanfare. To a lot of fan. You got a lot of publicity. It was out there in the wild for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but just our luck, when the time came for us to review it for, for this episode... Uh, it turns out Viacom has scrubbed it from the web. It is no longer available anywhere. No doubt this happened uh, because they had already announced their own movie, and they did not want to be misrepresented by people thinking that this fan film was the Are You Afraid of the Dark movie? Well, I reached out to the uh, makers of the fan film. They said they were taking it down and making the changes that Viacom asked them to make. So it may pop up on the web again in some new form. Interesting. But for the time being, it is nowhere to be found, and we looked everywhere. What do you think those changes are that Viacom wanted them to make? <laughs> I assume they're going to, like, they're going to have to dub in, like, they can't call themselves the Midnight Society. They're going to have to call themselves, like, the 12 O'Clock at Night Society. Mm -hmm. They can't be, Are You Afraid of the Dark? They'll probably call it, like, You Scared of This Shit or something. Fuck. <laughs> but then we get to sue them, and then That's the money right. starts rolling in. <laughs> then this podcast finally earns us some dollars. It's about time. But anyway, that plan we'll let fell you, through. We'll let you filmmakers use the name of our podcast as long as you become our first Patreon subscribers. Oh, as long as we're getting a cut somewhere. But anyway, that plan fell through, and Eli and I were brainstorming different things we could review instead. We said we weren't going to do Goosebumps or Rugrats, so those were out. Eli, you actually find a list of kids' horror shows, most mm -hmm. of which we'd heard of, but one of which really stuck out to us. Yeah. One that I feel like we should have known about by this point. Especially since it's so damn recent. Unbeknownst to us, there was a show on Nickelodeon that was a horror anthology for kids that ran sporadically from 2012 to 2014 called Dead Time Stories. And let's get one thing straight. Dead Time Stories is very clearly just a play on scary tales, right? Yes. Yep. There, it, it's as close as you can get to scary tales without uh, getting sued by DJ McHale. Mm-hmm. So what attracted us to this show is the fact that the description of it, the synopsis for the show, was that a babysitter reads scary stories to kids. And if you will remember from our interview with DJ McHale or any other interview with DJ McHale where he talks about the origin of Are You Afraid of the Dark, it started off as an idea between he and his writing partner Ned Candle where they wanted to make... Uh, a, a series of VHS tapes that parents could buy when they were too lazy to read their kids a bedtime story. So the parents would pop in the VHS tape and there would be an old man reading a bedtime story to the kids. And uh, Ned said to DJ, well, what kind of stories did you like as a kid? And DJ said, I liked scary stories. So fairy tales became scary tales. And the plot was 
let's have an old babysitter read scary stories to kids. And then they realized that it needed to be a bunch of kids sitting around a campfire reading stories to each other. But before they got to that point, it was just someone acting as the babysitter reading scary stories to kids. And party people, guess what the description of this show is? This is a TV series about a babysitter reading scary stories to kids. That's right. Yeah, every episode of this, unlike Goosebumps and Eerie Indiana and a lot of other anthology horror shows for kids, this one has sort of a narrative construct where every episode starts with the uh, with the narrator and the audience discussing the story together before they dive in. It is literally someone telling stories, just like the Midnight Society, just like DJ planned. Uh, Jennifer, I don't, Sto- I don't know about just like the Midnight Society. Just like in the same way that the Midnight Society introduces their scary story and then you know starts it out. Uh, this is just the construct of a babysitter reading bedtime stories to kids. DJ also talked about literary antecedents to the early episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yes. And Dead Time Stories takes that concept very literally. Mm-hmm. Each episode of this show is based on a series of children's horror books, also called Dead Time Stories, that were written by Annette and Gina Cascone. Am I, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Yep, who are two of the producers on the TV show. And even their stories that they wrote, even the published books, kind of have some literary antecedents to them. Um, like the one that we're going to be reading. I guess not, not a literary antecedent, but a definitely a folk uh, kind of history a to cult, them. A cultural antecedent, for sure. Yes, definitely. And we'll get into all of that in a minute when we talk about the episode. But the basic idea here is we discovered this show and thought, well, we've tried Goosebumps, and one of the things we didn't like about it is it didn't have that framing device. Uh, we wanted to try something new. Here was a show with the framing device, definitely in our wheelhouse, from Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon was trying to do like a backdoor, let's sort of revive that, let's let's fill that space again. Yeah, and yet, despite how recent it was, and despite the fact that it should have filled that niche, I mean, maybe it's just because we're men in our 30s and wouldn't have heard of it anyway, but like, has anyone heard of this show, or has it just been immediately forgotten by culture at large? I don't know. Uh, it seems, by, judging by the very, very dead website for Dead Time Stories, which looks like it hasn't been updated since 2013, uh, it seems like it has been forgotten. Well, tonight, we are going to bring it back. Let's resurrect the dead. If only for a moment. Mm-hmm. We are reviewing the fourth episode of Dead Time Stories, which is called The Witching Game. This was actually based on a Dead Time Story book called Mirror Mirror, which is a better title. But at any rate, this episode originally aired on October the 10th, 2013, which is so weird to, to say out loud. Yeah, yeah, uh, we've made a bit of a jump here. Fun fact about that title, I think that probably the reason why uh, this Dead Time story is called The Witching Game rather than Mirror Mirror is because of the fact that Annette and Gina Cascone both were the writers on a movie in 1990 that was called Mirror Mirror. Behind this glass lies a century of terror, an evil force awaiting their deadly command. It was a horror movie that I think basically they stole the plot of for their children's book and they just changed it to be kids. I don't know if you caught that on the IMDb, but... I did. <laughs> Apparently that movie got like five direct-to-video sequels, so... Yeah. So I think that that's probably why this one was was renamed. Uh, so should, right. we, should we dive right in? I think we have to. I think there's a lot to unpack here. This this is not your grandpa's kids' horror anthology show. 
Yeah, so when the episode starts, it does something really, really interesting, which is a completely cold opening. A long cold opening. It's, uh, it caught me by the... surprise when the title actually finally did come up. I thought maybe I was just watching a copy of it that didn't have the title. So right off the bat, we get our framing device. Like the title implies, the story we're about to hear is a bedtime story being read by a teenage babysitter to a pair of obnoxious little moppets. Yeah, two little kids who have decided that they are going to hide under the bed and try to scare their babysitter. It's this little brother and sister about six years old. Within 30 seconds, we get a lot of red flags that this is going to be a bad time. (laughs) Number one, these kids who are hearing the story are really little. Again, these are like kindergarten, first grade age kids. So you can guess what age group this show itself is aimed at. Yeah, I mean, the older of the two is the girl, and she looks like she's probably eight. Red flag the second. While this whole setup of, like, the babysitter reading the story is... This may remind you of, like, the tale of the bookish babysitter from season three? There's one major difference here in that this nameless babysitter pulls out an actual book that the kids watching at home could go out and buy. Yeah, it is a copy of the book the witching game from dead time stories or mirror mirror from dead time stories. Like it is, it is a scholastic printed book. (laughs) And like, I know goosebumps was just like that TV. That was a TV show designed to sell books, right? Oh, I I don't even think that. I think it was a TV show designed to sell all of the other goosebump branded stuff. I don't man. Something about this though. Something about this babysitter pulling out like a book that that the, like a real book that you could get at the book fair that just struck me as really cynical and commercial. There's even a shot where she pulls the book out and the kids say, what book are we going to be reading? And you just see her hands holding the book and like pointing yeah. at the title of it and then giving you a view of the cover. I did not like that. I don't know why I didn't like that. It's probably something that made me irrationally angry. Well, you might have been getting to it. The funniest part of this is the idea that these kids want their babysitter to tell them a, a bedtime story and she's going to read to them an entire YA novel. Oh yeah, this thing is the size of a Bible. <laughs> It's like, this is an actual hardback book. She's she's like, oh, well, let's start. And she opens it up and says, chapter one. And it's like, you're going to try and read these kids a whole fucking book? A chapter? You could, Goosebumps books are smaller than this. You couldn't read a Goosebumps book to two children and it take less than, like, what, four or five hours? Yes. I mean, there's no way you could do it in a single sitting. Red flag the third, this babysitter is sassy. And that gets old fast. All three of these characters get old fast, and we're going to be seeing a lot of them. Jennifer Stone's acting is not bad in this role. It's just not enjoyable. And I think the reason why is because she does a very good job. She treats these children the way that, like, an actual babysitter who who knew kids and had this personal relationship with them would. It's slightly condescending while still being, like, really friendly and inoffensive. Um, she's just kind of parenting to them, and it's not—it uh, doesn't make for an enjoyable— show character oh man anyway so the babysitter pulls out this book and tells them what the story is about she says what's it about well it's about Lindsay jordan and her friends who play a silly little wishing game on an antique mirror but what they don't know is is that it's not just a game at least not with this mirror so what happens to them oh something they never would have wished for and then she throws that coffee creamer all over their parents bed And we get the tale of the witching game. So the tale of the witching game starts and we meet our two very young protagonists, Lindsay Jordan and her best friend who are babysitting their shitty little siblings and not doing a very good job. 
Nope. Uh, they discover that the little siblings, and I'm not going to remember anyone's names in this because they're only in one episode and I don't like them. Uh, the little siblings, these two gr- little girls who are also probably like eight years old, have built an enormous pillow fort, pillow and blanket fort in the living room, and they have wrecked the entire living room of this girl's home. They have trashed this house, so Lindsay and her friend decide to get revenge. They catch the girls playing Bloody Mary in their little kitty mirror in the bedroom, and they decide they're going to get back at them by gassing their nasty. It's funny because all four are screaming. Like, the girls outside are screaming, the girls inside are screaming, and the cameraman says, Fuck it, man, I'm gonna get my exercise for the day, and just start swinging the camera around wildly. <laughs> As though we are in Angel Grove, and a monster has just grown. So after this this screaming session, Lindsay's parents get home, see the house is trashed, but they're not mad. In, in fact, they've bought Lindsay a gift. A terrifying full-length mirror. With a fucking gargoyle on it. With a gargoyle mounted to the front of it for, like, reasons that are not immediately apparent. The perfect accessory for a ten-year-old girl's room. It doesn't match anything in her bright neon green peace, love, and soccer-themed bedroom uh, in any way. Her mom's like, it's an antique. It will you'll, you'll grow to like it once it's cleaned up and all the dust is off of it. And the dad makes a really funny joke about how it's old and dirty and expensive. I can't believe no one else even bid on this piece. That's because it's old and dirty and really, really ugly. It's perfect for Lindsay's room, Mom. I'll have you know, young lady, that this is a very valuable antique. So what's that supposed to mean? That it's old, dirty, and really, really expensive. The next day, Lindsay goes to try out for her school's cheerleading squad, and as she leaves, the mirror shakes, and we get our terrible theme song. They do not make theme songs like they used to. It, it really makes you appreciate how instantly recognizable the Are You Afraid of the Dark theme song is. And even the Goosebumps theme is Here's like the f- instantly recognizable. This is just schlock. Here is the fucking head scratcher here. So this show has four producers, right? The two sisters, uh, yeah. what are their names? Annette and Gina. Uh-huh. And two brothers who work, like, so Annette and Gina are authors and they've written for TV, I guess. Uh, these two brothers... David and Stephen Hillebrandt uh, are the other two producers of this show. One of the guys was the fucking music producer for the X-Men animated series. Oh, no fucking way. How do you have one of the best theme songs of all time on your resume and have this be the theme song of your Nickelodeon show? That is an iconic theme. Yeah, yeah. Like, this guy clearly knows theme songs. It doesn't do it the doesn't show have any that strong favors. instrumental hook. No, no, it's not catchy in any way. Excuse me, it was David Hillenbrand that was the uh, not not Scott. It was David who was the music coordinator and producer for the X Men animated series. You done fucked up, David. Oh, he was also the mu- he was also the fucking music coordinator for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh my god, what happened? He he did he the- just forget how to do it? He was the music coordinator for the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes cartoon, which also had a great theme song. 
Man, that theme song is all I remember about that cartoon. That's all anyone remembers is the theme song. David, what happened? We can't we can't dwell on this. It's only going to make us upset. We have but to But anyway, move on. four minutes into this episode, we finally get our title card and theme song. And then we cut to cheerleading tryouts. And uh, do we see the main character try out for the cheerleading team? We do not. <laughs> we see a goofy boy who is like comedic, uh, like side thing for this episode. He's like, they, they, they let the scene go on for too long. It is a nerdy boy who is overly enthusiastic, like dancing and waving around and really cutting up and doing a great job. Um, a boy well, wanting to be a cheerleader. That's hilarious. I mean, like, the sexism of that bothered me, but I appreciated that that the fact that he is a boy is not the joke here. It's the fact that he is really bad and overly enthusiastic about being a cheerleader. Uh, And while that is happening, this entire scene is there basically to be a uh, sort of a conversation backdrop or set piece so that the main characters and their two best friends, uh, whose names are, I think, Tommy and Ralphie, can have a conversation about sort of the school politics and about how Lindsay wants to be the cheerleading captain, but she doesn't want to have to deal with... There's a g- other girl who's trying out, and she's an asshole. And if if Lindsay gets the position as cheerleading captain, then the asshole's best friend, Nancy Patinsky, is going to beat the shit out of her. And the reason that they go into all this extra effort for this subplot is because apparently nancy patinsky is the only recurring character inside of the narratives of these stories and so they had to find a way to work her in none of it matters nancy patinsky is like the only part of this scene that is that matters at all there is a bully that has it out for our main character she's a bully that apparently only communicates by punching her fist into her palm and grimacing yeah she's like a bully mime she pantomimes what she's going to do to you in like a lot of detail so there's all this buildup, there's all this talk of politics, finally it's Lindsay's turn at the bat, and we cut away, and we don't see her tryout. We immediately cut to the kids going, man, you did a great job at that tryout, and her mom's like, really? How did she do? And they're like, when she did the splits, everyone was so impressed, except for that asshole girl who was also trying out. You scared the shit out of her. This actress could not do the splits. <laughs> she cannot do any cheerleading. That is why they did not show it. For reasons that are too stupid to get into... Lindsay and her group of similar-aged friends wind up playing Bloody Mary in the mirror with their little sister, who, who coerces them into it. When they play Bloody Mary, uh, the only person that sees anything or who has any sort of experience here is the little sister, and her she's the one who's named Alyssa. Uh, she sees a witch appear in the mirror, and she shouts at the witch, I wish I had a puppy! And uh, the lights come back on. Everyone says, you were just saying things. You were making it up. It was your imagination. There was no witch. None of us saw anything. Let's all leave the scene. And we cut to the next morning. Well, real quick, just to establish here, this scene is not scary. This scene is mostly played for laughs, in fact, because a lot of the kids feel kind of stupid even participating in this. But like you said, the mirror kind of quivers, we see some shadows, kid asks for a puppy, we cut back to the babysitter and the Moppets, and these two little kids are shared sk- and these two little kids are scared shitless. Despite Did you almost say present- shared skitless? Yeah, I almost- yes, I'll keep that in there. <laughs> despite the absence of anything even remotely scary. There is something seriously wrong with Lindsay's mirror. Yeah, like it's totally haunted. So who's living in it? Ugh, somebody you don't want to meet. It's Bloody Mary, isn't it? <laughs> well, should we read and find out?
I feel like they were written into this scene to sort of build things up because the kids were like, so she did see Bloody Mary. She saw her in the mirror and she made a wish and now she's going to get what she wanted. And it's like, let the story tell itself, kids. That's the thing about these scenes. Like, they always over-explain the story and they sap anything close to tension out out of this episode. Which is weird, because in the first season of Are You Afraid of the Dark, when we would cut to the Midnight Society mid-episode, and they would do a little bit of a recap or a reaction, I always liked it. I did too, but they're not like, like, this is not foreshadowing the story. They're just, this is a spoiler. Yeah, yeah, it's weird that they inferred so much. Maybe the special effects that we saw in the show weren't as detailed as what is happening in this novel that the kids are somehow still listening to with rapt attention. Oh, the next right. day, the kids come home, and uh, Lindsay's mom is on the floor cleaning. Uh, there's a pretty good joke here. Right before they did the <laughs> Bloody Mary game in the last scene, she told the kids, here's some chips and salsa. And then she looks at the boy Ralphie and says, try not to spill any this time. So that was earlier in the episode. Now they come home, and she's on the floor cleaning up. And they're like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm trying to get a stain out of this carpet. And he goes, I didn't spill any salsa. And she goes, no, actually, it's pee. I'm just cleaning pee out of the carpet. I didn't do that either. <laughs> Which I actually enjoyed <laughs> that was the closest thing to an intentional laugh this this episode got yeah she explains that the that. pee is from Alyssa's little puppy Alyssa found a puppy waiting for her in the driveway when she got home from school that day and now she's insistent that it's hers because bloody mary gave it to her so the little sister is utterly convinced that bloody mary has gifted her this dog the kids are skeptical so they go up to invoke this black magic out of the mirror again This time, Bloody Mary outright appears and cackles at the kids. But the only one who sees her is Ralphie. And Ralphie blurts out that he wishes they didn't have to take their history test the next day. And when we cut to the next day (laughs) in school... (laughs) The next day, the history teacher drops dead! (laughs) (sighs) Mrs. Wrigley is dead! She does not... Her diabetes is acting up and because of her blood sugar. So the uh, the principal, I guess, immediately somehow knows this is happening, rushes into the room and tells her to take the day off. This is a pretty weak fake out, but like, one of these kids, I think the dancing kid from before, loses his mind when the teacher drops. They almost had me convinced that they were going to go there. <laughs> but now uh, all the kids have. are more or less convinced of Bloody Mary's power. They've gotten out of this test. What are they going to do now? And we go to commercial. What the fuck am I going to use here? When we come back, the bully from earlier in the episode, what was her name? Uh, Nancy Patinsky. Nancy Patinsky comes over to taunt Lindsay with one of the laziest insults I've ever heard. You mean loser, don't you? When you're the bully in this situation, and, like, you walk up on a group of people, and there are more of them than there are you, your goal should be to, like, win everyone else over to your side. Otherwise, you're just going to look like an idiot. If, you, if you're the bully, and you come in and do a really, really weak, like, shitty insult, and there's an entire audience of people who already don't like you, you're not setting yourself up for bully success here. Hi, I'm Eli, and I want to talk to you about my... I'm quitting our podcast to start my new Eli Phillips' Bully School. Now I know what you're thinking. (laughs) Eli, I've seen your pictures on Facebook. You never could have been a bully. And you're right, but I learned a lot about it from the bullies that I suffered from. And occasionally one would walk up to me and try to say something insulting when I was around all of my friends. And I thought to myself, these are the only times the bully shit doesn't work. That's why I tried to get a lot of friends. 
So join my bully school if you want to be a bully, and I'll tell you the secrets of bully success and failure. Bring a bat. Well, I feel like I learned something today. <laughs> I have no idea what that was. We can cut. I'm gonna all go of out and be a better bully. <laughs> Kids, don't be bullies. Like. Kids, don't listen to our podcast. Hi, I'm David Dykus from You Scared of This. We've had a lot of fun today. We aren't actually <laughs> endorsing bullying, bully school, or using a baseball bat outside of the baseball field. That's right. <laughs> Unless you're Casey Jones. Unless you're Casey Jones, at which you use a cricket bat because you know what a crumpet is. Yeah. You use a Jose Canseco bat. <laughs> we have to talk about this episode. Oh, man. Okay, so this bully comes over and threatens... Lindsay, she's being flanked by Lindsay's rival from cheerleading tryouts. And they basically tell Lindsay off and tell her she's not going to make it. Uh, we cut to the girls, Lindsay and Bree, back in front of the mirror, and they're having a conversation about how they better go ahead and study for the test, because Ralphie only wished they didn't have to take it that day, so they both suspect they'll have to take it tomorrow. Because either the Bloody Mary stuff is real, and it was specific enough that it only lasts one day, or it wasn't real, and they're going to have to take it anyway. So they're studying for their test, and they're casually talking about how Lindsay wishes she could be the captain of the cheerleading team, and how she wishes she didn't have to deal with whatever the asshole girl's name is. This is when we cut back to uh, our babysitter and our two little urchins. Oh, no! Bloody Mary heard the wishes the girls had made. But they didn't say the chant. How can it come true if they didn't say the chant? Well, who said they needed to say the chant? You mean... I don't know, I'm just asking. How come bad stuff always happens when they make a wish? Well, you picked up on that, huh? So, the wish has been made, Bloody Mary answers. The very next day, Lindsay discovers that she's been made co-captain. She's vice-captain of the team, and is going to have to answer to this this shitty rival of that she hates. I, I now see her name on the, si- on the list of who made the cheer team, and, and her rival's name is Carolyn. Lindsay is so distraught over this that she goes home sick, and when she yeah. looks in the mirror... She actually sees a vision of the schoolyard where the new cheerleading captain collapses holding her guts and is taken away in an ambulance. Bloody Mary just, like, gives people diabetes, right? (laughs) What were you going to do to him? (laughs) Uh, Did they say what it is? Like her appendix or something? If they do, I didn't hear it. I don't think they ever clarify what this is. She could be dead. She just, we see her (laughs) clutching her abdomen and fall to the ground. And her friend calls her on her iPhone. I thought it was interesting that this is just very clearly, they work a clear shot of an iPhone phone call in, like a 2013 interface of that. Uh, Bree tells her, hey, she just fucking fell over. I guess you're not co-captain anymore. And this convinces Lindsay, since she saw the magic happen in the mirror, that they have to get rid of that mirror. She goes downstairs where her mom and her sister are sitting on the couch with the puppy. And the mom is like, yeah, the puppy belongs to your sister now. We found out that the woman who uh, who lost the puppy was trying to walk the dog, and she tripped and hurt her leg, and now she doesn't feel like she can take care of it, so she just gave it to us. And uh, and Lindsay's like, no, fuck all of this. There's a witch. She made that happen. She hurt that woman. She hurt my teacher. She hurt Caroline, my arch rival. I'm going to go break this mirror. And she runs up to her mirror and grabs a trophy and just starts wailing on this mirror. It won't break. Lindsay just kind of collapses to the ground and says... Okay, stop the episode. Yep, yep. Eli, we, we've had our fair share of, of Monkey's Paw episodes doing this and, podcast, right? Yep, wishes. We've had a lot of wish granting. We had Twisted Claw in season one. We had Time Trap in this past season, season seven. I fucking hate the trope in all of these stories 
because it goes way beyond Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's anytime there's a there's a monkey's paw kind of story where the main character realizes the wishes are evil, they try to stop it, and in their exasperation, they accidentally make a wish that makes things even worse. Like, oh, I wish this would just stop. Like, they just yeah. happen to phrase it as a wish. I could live the rest of my life without ever seeing that cliche again. How often in your life do you wish for things? How often do you Not say, once. I wish? Only when I'm singing I Wish by R. Kelly. Oh, I thought you were going to say I Wish by Skilo. Well, that that's probably the song I should be listening now. I shouldn't be listening to R. Kelly anymore. <laughs> you've got to delete one of you got to delete fifty percent of your "I Wish" playlist. That's all right. Skilo can carry that weight. That's true. Can we also talk about the fact that like she goes up to her room to break this mirror? Now, like I've said, we need to handle everything involving this mirror from two possibilities: one, the witch is real; two, the witch is not real. In Neither of those situations is it a good idea to stand really, really close to the mirror and swing a friggin' trophy at it, right? Because if there's a witch in there, that's not going to end well for you. And if there's not a witch in there, like, sharp glass can hurt you, child. Like, the mirror does not break when she's trying to smash it. But if it did, she would be fucked. Her plan was to, like, send glass flying at her own face. It's a good thing this mirror is made of stronger stuff because, yes, she would be covered in blood. Yeah. Uh, Instead, what happens is she falls to the ground. Like you said, she says, I wish you'd leave me alone. And then for some reason, the witch creates a wind tunnel, sucking her whole family and a bunch of CGI debris. Like, how much paper does this girl have in her room? Uh, (laughs) No kidding. There is, like, so much paper inside of this wind tunnel just to show the motion of what's happening. There's just so much of it. it. It looks like she is in a library. It looks like she's at one of those places where they bring a, gi- a giant shredder so that you can get rid of all your old documents. So, like you said, the mirror turns into this this vortex and starts sucking up her family members one by one. It sucks up which, the mom, then it sucks which, up the dad, it sucks up the sister, it sucks up the dog, which got a big <laughs> laugh out of me. Me too. Uh, no, why did the family come up to the room? No, they were no all reason, downstairs. because it was their time to get sucked up, if you know what I mean. <laughs> And like, if you're the if you're the little sister, once you've seen your mom and dad dragged into a mirror, why don't you run away? It's such an unconvincing scene, too, because the mom gets sucked up, and the dad is like holding onto the doorway, and then he just kind of waddles over to the mirror, and it it absorbs him too. And then the sister appears for no reason. All the family disappears, and now she is left alone. Ha ha. Uh, she calls all of her friends over, and they sit on her bed, on a MacBook, with a sticker covering the Apple logo, like you do. And they all get on the internet and search through, basically, my favorite type of uh, website to find in a TV show, which is like someone's GeoCities page detailing all of the urban myths they've ever heard of. This could have been a website we saw on Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's so old-looking. I really love it. It's, It's like they drafted an HTML page. They coded it by hand. It's just a, a column... With a, it's one column with a photo and one column with a paragraph of text about this Bloody Mary witch. So using the power of the World Wide Web, they find out that the Bloody Mary that's haunting them is a witch from, I guess, the 17th century. There's an entire website dedicated to her, complete with a professional photograph of Mary. Yeah. It turns out, according to the lore, that Mary and her sister were both witches and that Mary somehow escaped being burned at the stake using the power of this mirror or something. 
she hops into the mirror, and before her friend can hop into the mirror, she gets arrested by the sheriff, who is also Friar Tuck. <laughs> who also has handcuffs in the 1600s. Not like shackles. I'm pretty sure they're like handcuffs. And we're told in this episode, I, I think we're jumping around in, in time here, but like, we learned that they were to be burned at the stake for crimes against the children. What did they do? <laughs> Maybe it's like a, ho- we can hope it's like a hocus pocus thing. Oh, man. Now we get the most ludicrous moment of this entire episode. While two or three of the kids are are using the laptop, one of them starts fiddling with the mirror and finds a hidden button on the ugly-ass gargoyle statue at the base. The gargoyle retracts into the base of the mirror, and in its place, something... I don't even know how to describe this, Eli. It is, it's, it's done completely with CGI, and it's basically a steampunk robot gargoyle head, right? So it is a, it looks like it's made of sheet metal, like plates of metal, shaped like a robot gargoyle. Um, think of like the dog, the robot dog from Jimmy Neutron or the Iron Giant, but like a steampunk kind of version of that. And it's a gargoyle. And it- I thought this thing looked like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 robot, like one of the bots that would watch the movies. Yeah, what's the, what's the one that came down from the ceiling? Gypsy? Yeah, it's kind of like a mix between Crow and Gypsy. Or it's like all yeah. of them, really. It's totally inexplicable and bizarre and has, like, it comes out of nowhere in this episode. So inside of it, there is a little scroll and uh, the text on it has been printed in a font from a computer in mirror, like, reverse. It takes them way too long to figure out that this message on the scroll is printed backwards. In relatively modern-looking English. Anyway, they finally deduce this. They read this this incantation aloud, facing the mirror. Sound the words as you see. In the glass trap they'll be. Say the words normally. Out they come, safe and free. They read the spell. There's a flash of white light. And the glass shatters! Da-da-da-da-da-da! Austin! Austin back out came out of the mirror! He's stunning all these little children! Oh my god! My god! So, sadly, this doesn't happen. The kids are just... Instead, the kids are just knocked to their feet, and they realize that everyone is back. Everyone's... The entire family has been returned. They hear the dog barking downstairs. They go down and see the parents. It looks like everything's gonna be okay. (laughs) So when they uh, start to go back up the stairs, there is apparently a mirror on the stairwell, and all the kids are, like, looking at each other in the mirror as happy as clams, and behind them, in the reflection, Bloody Mary has walked out of the bedroom, and what does she say? The kids scream! Bloody Mary screams! The Moppet scream! The babysitter screams! We get the biggest scream take in the history of the world! And we cut to black! <laughs> it's like you said the secret word on Pee Wee's Playhouse. The camera keeps zooming in and out and tilting and panning as everyone screams directly into the camera. <laughs> it's It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And with all of that out of the way, shitty ass theme song. 
No, there's no theme song. <laughs> the credits play superimposed over this last scene, so we don't oh, even yeah, get a funky right. ass theme song. Yeah, that's right. The credits are playing as this resolution is happening. But yeah, after this, after this, the biggest scream take in the history of the world. We just cut to black. The end. And that was uh, Dead Time Stories: The Witching Game. Oh, oh my God! I need a cigarette after that. <laughs> I'll give them this much. They ended the story in the best way possible. This, the best shot of the entire episode is all the kids looking in the mirror and you see a hand reaching from behind them and all you see is the hand. So this episode ended on a strong note, but we have to review the episode in its totality. Eli, what did you think of Dead Time Stories, The Witching Game? My complaints about this episode are going to be sort of nitpicky. Uh, the things that kept this episode from being good for me, actually, no. The more I started to think about what that list comprised, it comprised a shit ton of stuff. The things yeah. that made that kept this from being good for me, I was going to say, were the fact that it looks like something from a Disney Channel kids sitcom in that, like, for some reason, every room of their house, the decor is neon green, and yep. all of the kids wear solid, bright colors. Like, all of the girls are wearing, like bright purple or bright pink or bright yellow and all of the boys are wearing like bright blue or bright green or bright yellow everyone has to be you have to look like you're, you just walked into a candy store right yes um don't fucking do that in horror i made a note of that as well the color palette here is i mean to say it's not scary is an understatement it's distracting and if you're filming like good luck charlie or wizards of waverly place fucking do it i don't care Right? It's a shitty comedy with a laugh track. But if you're making a scary show, tone down the colors a little bit. And it was distracting, and I didn't like it. Uh, on top of that, the special effects are ten years later, more than ten years after any episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark, and they have not improved a bit. They did not spend worse. any of the budget. Yeah, yeah, that, again, that wind tunnel effect is awful. And all you have to do is make someone appear in a mirror, right? Like... That's all you need. Don't use the wind tunnel effect. Just have the parents dissolve, like in Bookish Babysitter, or not in Bookish Babysitter, uh, Many Faces. Yeah. Find a way to use the effects to your advantage. Don't stretch yourself beyond what you can do with the special effects. Third, terrible acting. Uh, like DJ said, sometimes you get good actors on an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Sometimes you work with what you got, especially because Are You Afraid of the Dark was very deliberate about we want to have like diverse casting and we want to have very real looking kids. We don't want everyone to look like a squeaky clean Disney Channel star. Well, all of these kids look like squeaky clean Disney Channel stars and none of them can act. It pisses me off. So the acting is bad. The special effects are bad. The set design is bad. And they kind of botch the story. They totally mismanage what could have been the scary moments here by cutting back to the two Muppets or by having bad special effects or by cutting away at weird times, or having comedic moments. Uh, They can't get the tone of this to be scary. And like you said, maybe this is because the target audience is like 6 to 8. I know that Nickelodeon was probably skewing younger and younger over the course of, you know, the from the time it started until 2013. So it's definitely nowhere near as scary as any episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? I was not prepared for how young this was going to skew. This makes Goosebumps look like the fucking Exorcist. So all of those things were incredibly disappointing, and I feel like they didn't have to be. A story about Bloody Mary could have been cool. A story that is kind of a monkey's paw thing, we know that that can kind of work. Um, They just didn't stick the landing on any part of this. Like None of the execution was done 
as well as it could have been. And maybe they didn't want that. Maybe they wanted the show to be fun. Maybe they wanted it to be funny, or maybe the demographic wasn't there for it. Uh, but whatever the excuse is, it ultimately results in a show that's not that good. Uh, but Dykus, what did you think of it? And then I'm going to ask you one more question. I have very complicated feelings about this this episode. The story was fine, I guess. Like like you said, there's a good kid story about Bloody Mary waiting to be told. I'm surprised we never got a Bloody Mary story in Are You Afraid of the Dark? But like, mm-hmm. whatever that good episode of kids programming is, this is not it. <laughs> and it could have been. There were elements of this story that were good. And not to jump the gun, like, nothing about this episode is even, like, even tries to be scary. The day, like you said, the day glow colors, the fact that most of it's set during the daytime, no one in this story is ever in any real danger. The one real threat is the mirror vortex that looks stupid. The one real threat is the time the glass breaks. Yeah. Uh, what I liked about this episode is that as Or it diabetes. On, we, <laughs> or diabetes, the real silent killer. What I liked about this episode is... Especially once you pass the halfway point, we get a few fleeting, like, WTF moments. They're not, again, they're not scary, but they add something. <laughs> when the robot cow head pops out from the mirror, I was, I felt something. Like, I felt confused and baffled, but like, but I enjoyed it. And like, when we cut back to the, the Salem witch trials or whatever, I was like, wait a minute, what the fuck? Why are we, why are we bringing the Salem witch trials into this? What I definitely did not like about this episode were the Moppets, the Babysitter. They almost ruined the entire episode for you. Like, we asked for a show that had a framing device, and we got it, but this was not what I had in mind. And and like I said early on, them shilling the actual series of books just comes across as so crass. So, I guess you've answered the question. I'll say it as well. This was not scary in any way. I'm not scared of this. Dykus, you scared of this? No. I've, I've made the joke before. I'll say it again because it applies here. This is the least scary thing I think we've ever watched for this podcast, and that includes Rugrats. <laughs> but let me ask you another question because I'm really curious about this. Uh, not scarier, but do you think this is better than any of the episodes of Goosebumps that we watched? Oh, that's a good question. If you had to watch another episode of this show that you haven't seen yet, or an episode of Goosebumps, which would you watch? I mean, personally, I'd probably go with Goosebumps because that at least has some 90s cheese that I could enjoy. I think back about when we watched Werewolf Skin, which was god-awful. But, it like, even the bad parts of that episode were kind of hilarious. Like, the, the weird montages and the terrible music and stuff. You know, that's a good point. I was kind of leaning towards this show because I thought, after two episodes of Goosebumps, I kind of know where it's at. But I think that maybe this has a, you know, we, maybe we just saw the worst of them. But uh, even if this show is better than Goosebumps, I'd still pick just I'd still pick Goosebumps just so I can see more David winning or Ron Oliver. That being said, I I honestly, for all the shit I've talked about it, I had a lot of fun watching this episode. Same here. And I would probably be willing to watch it again if I had to. This was not well, good, but this was this was just a sugar addled like this was a trip. The good news is we don't have to. Well, I'm fine with that, too. (laughs) So, with all of that out of the way, let's go ahead and remind everyone that uh, the next thing you'll hear from us is going to be the final Freddy's, our 
show in review of Are You Afraid of the Dark, where we talk about every season, every episode, everything Are You Afraid of the Dark one last time. The end is nigh. Yeah, yeah, this is it. If you want to connect with us between now and then, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash youscaredofthis. Our Twitter handle is at youscaredofthis. Our Gmail address is uh, shit at gmail.com. We have our entire back catalog still on SoundCloud, despite everything. SoundCloud.com slash youscaredofthis. And as always, you can find us on Apple Play or Google Podcasts or whatever go- thing Google tries to make next. Uh, please feel free to subscribe, leave a rating or a review there. And if you happen to be hearing this before the final Fridays, which I believe will be airing on Friday the 13th of, uh, of 2018, send us a message about your thoughts on Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, now that our show is ending, and we will try to share those in the final Fridays. We look forward to hearing from all of you. And with all of that out of the way, I hereby declare this episode of You Scared of This closed. <laughs>